Hey everybody, my name is Mike Rosso. Hey everybody, my name is Michael Rosso. Hey everybody, my name is Mickey Rosso. <laughs> I don't know which one I'm going to use. Maybe I'll use all of them. Let's, let's give it to Mikey. Hey, everybody. Michael Rosso here. I'm here uh, in the studio with uh, superstar Mark Dalzell. Hey. Mark O'Brien. Hey, everyone. Leslie Lazenby. Hello, everyone. And we're going to get right into it. Point-and-shoot cameras these days are super popular and, uh, you know, always shocking to me. Kind of super expensive. What do you got, Mark? Yeah, I was going to say they're so popular that even I have used one. Um, today I brought uh, a Roly Prego 145. Ooh. There's a bunch of cameras in this uh, Prego line, but the one I have is the 145. Uh, the 145, there's also a 140. There's a, a really popular one called the 90. The, the, the model number seems to have to do with the zoom <laughs> distance. distance. Oh. So this one has got a 38 to 145 millimeter lens on it. Uh, the the Prego 140 is like a 29 millimeter to 140 millimeter or something. So, um, not my normal kind of camera. But I saw the Roly name and I thought couldn't be terrible. Seemed pretty solid. I looked it up online and it had a fair number of features. Uh, this came in in a donation, by the way. Uh, and then I powered it up and I discovered that the whole LCD on the top is totally burned out. Oh, toast. So this camera does all kinds of amazing things. Continuous shooting and self-timers and backlight compensation and red-eye, this and that and whatever. Can't use any of it because I can't access the screen. Right. So I can turn it on, I can zoom in and out, and I can take a picture. I can't even turn the flash off. So I thought, ah, this will be a fun one. It, all, it does also do that sort of fake panoramic thing that I hate. But Yes. So I loaded it up with some uh, expired uh, Portra black and white. Oh, okay. oh yeah. The BW400, yeah. not the BW400CN. But the Portra BW400, uh, I've got a bunch but, of that stuff. Yeah, weird, right? Black and white Portra? Yeah. For a little time, a little while that was out. Yeah, a little while. I, I, I happen to have a box of it, so I've got, I've got four or five rolls left. I, I like it. it. It definitely gives you a completely different look than regular black and white film. There's something about the contrast that's more complex or something about it. I don't know what exactly it is, but... Uh, but I can't really put like your it. finger. Can't put your finger on it. I don't know what. Yeah, I can. I, when I when I'm scrolling through my pictures and I find pictures that I took with the BW400 CN, usually I can kind of spot them. Like I was like, oh yeah, that's oh. obviously color film that's been. I don't know what it is about it. It's something about the green. Je ne sais quoi. It's yeah. It's <laughs> as the French call it. I don't know what. This I walked around uh, London and Bath with on my trip. Oh, um, a couple months ago. Again, this is my first ever foray into full-on street photography. So I specifically shot this camera as a sneaky street photographer, okay. taking pictures of people walking or interesting signage, or you know. But and I ended up getting some really great pictures out of it that I loved. Uh, my very first Instagram post ah. was a picture I took with this camera, which was a, a view of the the uh, Millennium Bridge. What is your Instagram name? Mr. Mark Dalzell. Okay. Um, Mr. Mark Mrs. Mark Dalzell was already taken. Uh, which, uh, so yeah, a view, a view of the Millennium Bridge from, uh, from the Tate Modern Museum in London. So I walked around for a while with this, got some great images. I really like it. It has, for, for being one of these little tiny cameras, like I said, it's got a pretty, pretty impressive set of features. 
aperture range is 3.7. Well, they're weird numbers. 3.7 to 10.9. I don't know why they picked that. The shutter speeds are a half a second all the way down or up to a 400th of a second. It has a really good zoom, motorized zoom on it. Oh, let me turn it back on. Get that little... That little motorized um, what zoom is noise. the focal length? Sounds like a tiny Choices robot. again? Millimeters? Oh, 38 to 145. Okay. So it's pretty average. much everything you need. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it covers all the basic stuff. It's got a self-timer. It's got uh, time and date imprinting if you want to do that, which is that very 90s. It has uh, close-up, full-automatic, hyper-focal focusing. It's got portrait mode. Um, it's got exposure compensation, plus or minus mm-hmm. uh, 3EV, which is pretty cool for a little point-and-shoot. It has an optional infrared remote control, which mm. I did not get. It's got a uh, it's got your fancy DX reader, which I'm not used to using that on cameras. Oh. It'll read from 50 to 3200 speed film. Automatic loading, automatic film advance, uh, continuous shooting of one frame per second. Oh. So, yeah, I was I was... Like I said, I was hoping this was going to be a better quality one as far as point-and-shoots go than others. I was very happy with it. I would love to have been able to get in and use some of the other features, especially like turning off the flash. Yes. It was, it's a little annoying to be walking around at night trying to be a street photographer and my <laughs> flash is stuck on. <laughs> it's hard to be sneaky. Terrorist. Exactly. But, yeah, I did get some great pictures with it. I think to, to reflect the, the uh, sort of quality of it, if you look these up on eBay, they do... They are not cheap. They range from fifty to seventy-five bucks. Wow! Which is not cheap for a little plastic point-and-shoot camera, but great lens on it. So there you go. Uh, now, Mark, have you shot with like the uh, Olympus Stylus Epic? Or no, any... never. It's interesting. You this know, this is my first time I've ever shot one of these little plastic. Yeah, things. Yeah, I think you should um, no. pick one up because I think you'll find it very good. Well, I didn't. You know what? The, the camera itself, I didn't find fun to use in any way. Uh, but what I liked about it was that it it gave me the ability to take pictures without people noticing. And there was no big shutter sound. Right. Like I said, if I could have turned the uh, the LCD is blown on it. That's why you can't. So you don't know when you've turned the flash off. You cannot. Yeah. So it's just. No, you can turn the flash off. You can, but you don't know if, if you it's don't off know when or you... if it's on red eye reduction or if it's on automatic or you know. Yeah, you just don't know. And I. I didn't play with it enough to figure out like how many push, how many pushes will turn it off. Sure, and I was gonna say I'll bet uh, it goes back to auto. Yeah. When you turn it off. Yeah, so you have to turn it on, then remember push it three times, and then it's probably off. I have the Rolly. And then take a picture of in a church, line, and it flashes. Which is the wide and super wide and super super wide version, mm-hmm. and I love it. And I've dropped it. And I have yet to replace it on eBay because of the cost of these Rolly Micron Prego Mike Pregos. This, the, but this looks a lot like. And Mike a, has one. Which oh. one? You have the GR. Oh, the Rico. The, yes. Rico GR1V. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which also has uh, a dead uh, L- LCD mine display. Is, mine's got a dead. The lens won't come out because I dropped it. Oh. But you have the same model as I do. I have. Uh, no, I have the Ryko. Oh, this reminds me a little bit of a Pentax camera. A little bit, but I've seen it yeah, I would have yeah. been. I would have been really disappointed had you said that you, you know, you were disappointed in the quality of it. So I think the quality is great. Uh-huh. The quality is great. The ability to, like I was going to say, this this is a picture that I took. I just happened to be walking right. behind a couple. They had their pinkies, you know, their their yep. their 
feet were in, in sync. Like, it just seemed like kind of a cool... Aww. And the little glowy white shoes, which just Aww. all draws you up to yeah. the... Are they on and Instagram? That's not... Uh, no. But that's not a picture I could have taken with my Pentax 67 or my Rolly Flex. Like, I couldn't have been able to whip it out right. and take that shot. Now, you uh, see... So, things like that. It yeah. was fun to be able to take pictures like that, which is not something I normally do. So, the quality and the ease of use are both really nice. Will you be right. trying another point-and-shoot camera? I probably will. Uh, if I do, it'll be to do more stuff like this. Right. Here's, this, is the, uh, this is the one I was saying. That's the one that got picked for the Explorer, but the, the Millennium yep, Bridge. I remember. But there's I something about it. the clouds in it that just, you know, the, the, that back to the film again, that black and white portrait just has a very interesting look to it. And these have a tendency to um, vignette a little bit. Yeah. Darkness-wise, which is perfect which artistic is great. printing. I love it. Yeah, yeah it's, exactly. It's absolutely gorgeous. There, Mike, that's the... Oh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I remember it. You're mm-hmm. filming there? No, that's the Prego. So I'll, I'll give the I'll give one of those epics a chance. But that's one that again I would stick an interesting black and white film in and go out and do some street photography with it. It's beefy. Yeah, yeah. I don't mind that. Well, thank you, Mark. Sure. I'm yeah. happy that the pictures that you've taken with it are you know are satisfying. <laughs> It certainly is a big bun. It's a very big bun. Big fluffy bun. It's a very big fluffy bun. Where's the beef? Some hamburger places give you a lot less beef on a lot of bun. Where's the beef? At Wendy's, we serve a hamburger we modestly call a single. And Wendy's single has more beef than the Whopper or Big Mac. At Wendy's, you get more beef and less bun. Hey, where's the beef? You want something better. You're Wendy's kind of people. That's right, yeah. Folks, the listening, over the years, we have assembled all sorts of tools for you in our FPP online store, assembled for you and I and us here, like when we picked up an E6 kit a few years ago. But now, more than ever, that's an exciting kit for folks who are doing, like, let's say you're doing your own black and white home developing. It's so easy to jump into E6 color slide. It's a very easy kit to use. I highly, highly recommend it. Or if you've never developed at all, we sell the entire you know kit uh, with the, the, the reels, the tanks, the thermometer, everything you need. So uh, do consider giving it a shot. Hey, we're back. Let's talk about uh, something that interests all of us. What's driving camera prices? Oh, film photography podcasts. Okay, thank you very much. Next topic. <laughs> Mark, take it away. As a longtime oh. eBay seller and eBay buyer. I'm always interested in seeing where things stand in terms of cameras that I'm interested in that I've bought in the past or have sold in the past, um, where they're, what they're doing now. And it's just camera bodies, unless it's something really desirable or rare, have done a slightly steady creep upward. If it's just something that's, you know, your, your average, like a K1000 or maybe a Minolta X700 or something like that. But what's really got, got me riled up are the prices of lenses because all these mirrorless guys are buying up lenses for cameras that i'd like to get lenses for and the prices are just going crazy prices and it's even worse if it's if it's got the the lights name on it Mm -hmm. and and we're talking you know or if it's even got a contacts like a contacts yashica mount lens it's got the contacts name on it where the t-star lens those are going just crazy prices a 50 millimeter lens now is like $350 for some of those cameras. From some of those, no, for real, for real. The other part of that that's driving the prices up right now, I think, is well. Look at what the anything that's 
occult camera like the Konica Hexar, the um, anything that's the Contacts T-Series, Yashica T-Series. Some of them are just plastic point-and-shoots, and they're not necessarily reliable over time, and the prices are crazy. And if you... There's a guy I follow, um, Japan Camera Hunter. He's always got cool pictures of, in, in Tokyo and all the people that cameras that people have and it's really not like it's we're all they're all not all walking around with leicas or or whatever or contacts you'll see all kinds of pentax six by sevens nikons uh f3s things like that but it's those little nice point and shoots that have also gone up in in price like crazy so you know what what does a uh a good old olympus go for infinity you know olympus infinity which yeah. is not like uh it's not even like an olympus stylus epic right an infinity yeah if i had to guess 40 to 50 dollars yeah I mean, too much if you've got one that works it's in great shape it's been tested out um it's going to go for a lot more money and so well if it's not tested and it costs 40 dollars, yeah you better make sure that that ebay guy will take it back exactly so you really have to be you have to be careful but i don't know what are your thoughts because i i think that there's a two things that are driving up prices one is there is a finite resource, although there are millions of film cameras out there. There's not millions. They're not making new ones. Any thoughts, Leslie? I can tell you on the educational level, more and more universities are teaching film photography classes again. High schools that dropped it out a few years ago are teaching it again. So they are learning the love of film photography and of course they all need cameras it was just like oh please no film cameras a few years ago and it's always cool to do what your parents didn't do and the kids parents right now shot with digital point and shoots or cell phones yeah so now it's cool to do the film again so that of course is that's supply and demand yeah. And I, I don't think we're seeing a shortage yet. No. We will, of course. They're not going to last forever. But I don't think they're thinking about that yet. I right. just think there's more people buying them. I mean, you take a camera like a Nikon FM, for example. If it's not abused, it's going to have many thousands and thousands of shutter clicks in it. And the only thing that's that might wear out more than anything else might be electronic connections, things like that, because they... they they can be dropped or whatever. But in general, if a camera is, is I won't say baby, but if it's used properly and you take good care of it, maybe every once in a while, every 10 years, get a, a cleaning lube and adjustment or something like that, it'll outlive you. I mean, look at, we have Nikon Fs coming in that they were made back in the 60s and some of those look like they came off the store yesterday of course the other thing about that if it's a if it's a fairly old camera and it's not been used at all in many years the lubricants and so forth could be dried up or gummed up and you have to be careful when you first start playing with them just to see how things are going it's the newer stuff that doesn't work all the stuff from the 90s that's all microcircuitry. yeah right they just stop working for no reason and there's no way really at all to fix them so yeah if it's got ribbon cables in it you know, like, yeah. like a lot of these old point and shoots, they're they are you, they're not for the average person to work on because there's not a lot you can do with them. Yeah, if they go bad, there's not you're not going to be able to find parts for them. The older cameras, there are still repair people that work on them, and uh, if it's something that's fairly common, there all be there should be parts out there if there's something wrong with it. Like in the donations, you know, we'll get. I, I've never seen a Nikon F F two F three that's coming on a donation that didn't work. Right. Whereas half of the gold plastic nineties. SLRs that come in seem to be dead, or the LCD is dead on them, or 
you know, those seem to go bad a lot more than the old metal stuff. So One of the things I noticed that in the thrift stores now, um, a lot more, I mean, they used to go in and buy a point and shoot for two bucks. And those prices have gone up. I go in the in the say they'll have something like this Nikon uh, One Touch. They want twenty bucks for them now. They used to go for like five dollars. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if it's a good working camera, it's worth twenty bucks. Yeah. The, those prices have gone up. You're seeing some of the Polaroid land cameras pop in now. Well, they've always been in thrift shops, but the prices for those aren't. They've definitely gone down because people real they can't get film for them but the prices for the 600 series have gone up which yeah. cameras the six polaroid 600 series now that the film is solid and reliable and yeah. available for they used to be that. like four bucks now they're you know 10 15 what about the polaroid pack cameras are still they're going they're going way down in price they're going way down yeah yeah so now someone could buy the camera for 20 bucks but have to spend 50 bucks for the film yeah yeah <laughs> yeah if they could find it yeah so it's it's a mix. It's, there's always going to be upturns. The expensive cameras will always be expensive. You're not going to get a rich wreck, <laughs> right? Or a rich wreck, whatever, for a uh, hundred bucks. It's going to probably no. be in the thousands. You're going to always <laughs> find, have a premium for Nikon or for uh, a Leica. If it's got the word Leica on it, it, the price is always going to be higher than the corresponding. Me- any other camera so some will retain their value and others have been creeping up but the lens is what drive me crazy because I've, I've got all the camera bodies i really need it's just the it's right the, it's the lenses that you uh-uh, want to get i went over a track i don't have oh one. <laughs> i don't have one either <laughs> folks podcast at filmphotographyproject.com please do you know send us feedback of what has your experience been like on the bay when looking for a camera Going from Mark D's segment to Mark O talking about eBay, I mean, they're super fun cameras, and, uh, you know, there's still some out there on the bay that are reasonable. Yeah. Well, there's other places, too. I go to a lot of estate sales. Check your local listings. There's websites that will email you any local sales in your area. I go every, every few weeks. I'll hit one or two. Go out on a Friday afternoon or a Sunday morning or something, and it's amazing the stuff that you'll find sitting in an attic or a basement. Uh, I've got some amazing... I got my Cambo 4x5 at an estate sale. Uh, so you never know what you're going to find. Or yard sales, garage sales, flea markets, all that. That's where I get most of my stuff. How often are you going now to estate sales? Every every couple of weeks, I'll hit one or two. How, how often do you bring Fideli with you? Almost never. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's usually busy. Right. If, if I go on a Friday afternoon, I'll message him. If he's around, we'll meet up. But otherwise, usually I go on Sundays. Sundays usually is uh, half price. Yeah. Whatever they have left, right. they, they blow really? out at half price. So I'll go in on a Sunday and pick okay. some stuff up. For a state sale, right? Mm-hmm. Or a tag sale. That is so rare in Ohio. Why? Really? We have auctions. Get it in, get it done, get it out. Oh. Every once in a while, you'll see a traditional estate or tag sale where everything, of course, in the home is marked with a tag. Mm-hmm. And it'll go on for a few days. But it's really rare anymore to see hmm. one of those. Oh, I didn't realize that. Well, if you go to, I think it's the one I use is estatesales.org. I get emails every like Thursday, Friday, Saturday of the sales that are coming up the next day. I, can, I tell it I want, I want within 25 miles of mm-hmm. my home zip or whatever. And every week there's anywhere from 5 to 10. And we have auction zip. Yeah. Which is hmm. the same thing, but strictly for auctions that will last a few hours. 
I would, I would love to. I used to love going to auctions. I haven't been to an auction in a long time, but it's fun, right? I do love auctions. Mm, yeah, kind of. It's only fun when it gets to something you're interested in. Otherwise, I hate it's boring. Boxes. Are boring. They, uh, auction auctioneers are they? Hey, yes. Yeah, don't scratch your nose. I bought stuff. Oh. You know, that's mine. Okay. <laughs> what do you what do you mean penalty box? You get thrown oh, penalty in penalty box in the penalty box, lazy No. Here's a whole bunch of crap that didn't sell, oh. and my, what I want to get's in the next box. And they slide it uh, into that's my mine. favorite. Yeah, but it's usually totally unrelated. I went to an auction a couple years ago, and he did that. He had a box of stuff up on the stage, and he's just like, ah, we got some, some housewares, some electronics. We got, I see some linens in here. Who'll give me $5? But he, he wasn't specifying exactly what was in the box. He was just feeling lazy. Nobody bid. He pulls up a second box. Nobody bid. He pulls up a third box. He's he, like, anybody? F-? And I just said, boxes. I said, two dollars. He's like, sold for yes. everything. Yes. So I ended up getting three big cardboard boxes yep. full of all kinds of crazy stuff. There were intercoms, and just it was just stupid. But for two bucks, they just want to get rid of it. Yes. Yeah, it was like you know. And then they put the big trash crazy grab cans bag by the door. Oh my god! And then you go through and collections. Like, this is all I wanted was this, and you throw the and people will just throw the rest of the stuff in there. Yeah, that they didn't want. They don't even take it home. Oh my god! Yeah, I love auctions. Kind of strange. Well, thank you, Marks. You're <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving right along, let's okay. laser be something about ectochrome, which is always very exciting. Ectochrome and eBay, in a way. Wow! So in a what way, a ca- just tie it into a used tie gear. These things in E and E, ectochrome e and, e and, and eBay. E. Take it away. Ectochrome Bay. And ectographic. Bay. Well, as I uh, promised a a few shows ago, we were going to talk about, you've got your new ectochrome film. You've had it processed E6. Go for it. See it big. Go big or go home. Right? Slide projector. Oh. Slide projector. Oh. That's what you need. Oh. A few years ago, and this ties into a dime a dozen. Yeah. Kodak slide projectors that were seven and eight hundred dollars couldn't give them away. If you don't have one, you might want to just ask an older member of your family. A lot of a lot of people had a slide projector. Sure. They've now throwing them with their Model T cranks and their Victrolas and <laughs> put them in the garage. But it's probably there. If not, I'll give you a little history on it and tell you some models to look for because there are really kind of some penalties for buying the older ones. And probably the first and foremost is you might as well buy the leader and the slide projectors. Seisman Kodak. Yep. You can buy Argus projectors. You can buy Airquip projectors. Bell and Howell projectors, they may all take a funky bulb. They may take a funky tray. And it's not the easiest thing to get into to repair. Stick with a Kodak. Kodak started, this amazed me, Kodak made slide projectors in 1937 Hmm. for showing Kodachrome slides. And they called them Koda slide projectors. And they made that up until 1958. So I would not invest in a Coda slide projector. No, no. You'll bake your slides. Yep. What, what's the difference between like Kodak slide projector and Coda? Coda. Coda was a model name. Oh. Model name for Kodak. <laughs> you, you can use it as an easy bake oven? Yeah. Well, yeah, you can or, or, on the next yeah. ones. The next ones we come into in 58 was called the Cavalcades. <laughs> oh. Ring a bell, anybody? Maybe not. Madman? show? No, just in the name in general, Cavalcade oh. Slide Projector. All, that's also a Kodak. Huh. That's a model number. They kicked that puppy up to 500 watts. Wow. And so the numbers hit like 500, 510, 510C, and they take a, sl- uh, a long oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. slide a tray. Yeah, yeah, the whole tray. Yeah. 
Um, educational films for the like, or, like these for home use or, or this institutions. Is home, this is home use. Okay. And your tray would hold, I believe, thirty six slides. Uh, there was two trays. There was a stackable slide, what they called the stack slides, and that did thirty six. But the regular tray held thirty. The bulbs today is certainly usable if you've got a tray and some electricity, mm-hmm. you know, and a working bulb. The bulbs have an average of ten hours. Even they'll say average on the box, 10 hours. Avoid the cavalcades. There's nothing wrong with them, but they're expensive to operate. The trays are impossible to find. Just threw them out when the next projector came along. The bulbs run 10 hours. That bulb may cost you $75. Who is using those? Who is buying that bulb? That's crazy. It wasn't $75 years ago. No, but I mean now. Who is still spending $75 on that bulb? I hope that nobody. That crazy. Weirdos. They're either in, they either <laughs> are Weirdos. at this point. Yeah, that's me, John Link. Only produced <laughs> once a year, which makes them expensive, or they're simply working off of old stock. So avoid the cavalcades, because in 1961, and this is the term everyone's heard, they introduced the Kodak carousel projector. This is a round tray that fits on top. We've seen this. We've seen bunches of them. People actually put their slides in the trays, wrote on the side, and just stored them in there. Yes. They left them right and stacked them up in the closet. Guilty as charged. They also Mm -hmm. came in, the first first series, which was, I think, the 100 series. Mm. 700, 650, 750, 700, 760s. They were 500 watt, too. Until just a little bit later. It changed in the middle of the production. Uh, A few years later, 67, they came up with the professional version of the carousel called the ectographic. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, if you find that cheap, and you probably still can today, if it says ectographic on it and you're looking for a projector, that is an excellent projector to buy. The difference between them, all ectographics had a 300-watt bulb. They were probably used for longer projection times because slides are like the human skin when you project them. If you put a slide on a screen for 10 or 15 minutes with one of those old bulbs that are emitting a lot of UV light, you don't even know you've sunburned them. And you may come and flip them on later, and that slide looked good, and you went on and you come back, and you've got a bunch of bubbles because it absorbed the UV Mm. and it's still burning. So they backed off to the 300 watt to kind of eliminate that and uh, put better fans in them, cooling all the time. But if you can get an ectographic or an ectographic 3 series, that's ideal. Differences were between the carousel and the ectographic. For one thing, they used ectographics in slide production shows, and they used to use dissolve units because they would have two or more projectors, and one image dissolved and melted into the other and back and forth or timed with music or timed with speech. But when you had that happen and you set that up, when you framed your slide up on the screen, you're framing it up right and left, and you've got the other projector framing up right and left. If you use a home carousel projector, the next time slide projector one drops the slide down, it's shifted a little bit. The gate is bigger where the slide drops in. It's not as precise. Well, the ectographic took care of that. Every slide dropped down into the same position in the gate. And the carousel, all, or the ectographic also 
saved a lot of retinas. Yeah. Because, you know, <laughs> when you got to the end of the thing, bam, there's no slide in yeah, there, light. and all you get is the light. It dropped a little shade down over it, and the bulb was on, but you didn't get blinded. Yeah, Michael. Uh, the super 500-watt bulbs, those may be designed to throw throw the image further, like in an auditorium? Hold that thought. Okay. Because that's exactly the next thing. That's another advantage of the ectographic. Oh. They made lamp houses that, and you could either get them from Kodak, or you could get them from Independence, that allowed you to put a brighter lamp in. And it also allowed you to have one lamp house loaded and when that burnt out, you flipped it, you opened it up, you slid the next one in, and you go. If it was a consumer model carousel, you can't change it quick because you'll melt your skin off because of how you have to handle the bulb to remove it. This was in a housing. It popped out. New one popped in. And that, a lot of times, the, we almost always sold the upgraded to the 500 watt because they're throwing it in an auditorium. Mm-hmm. I would get, apparently I was Dr. Lazenby even back then, because with ectographics and carousels to some degree, you had more options. Not only did you have that lamp housing, but you got to choose, because of your distance, (gasps) you could order different lenses. Don't give that to Sam Sherman. Don't give this. (laughs) He'll saw it off. And I brought a lens in today that is just pretty stunning it is a buell lens it is a zoom lens (laughs) but it's made bueller bueller Bueller. it's made for long throw but it is also extremely fast i think this is a four to six zoom four and a half to seven point seven zoom and this is a 2.5 so it's very bright it's very heavy and it's gorgeous because it's red like aluminum and i happen to have a matched pair of them not because i ever projected with them i bought them at an auction from the store i used to work with thinking someday can i build a camera around this and they this is so heavy that it would have taken an additional support but but the other stores would call me up and they'd say leslie what i got a 96 by 96 screen sure we want to fill it okay what's your distance well we're going to be so many feet away what lens do i need they thought it was brilliant I get in my desk, I get this little slidey thing out that Daylight Screen made, and you, 96, 12 feet. Well, you're going to need a 9.7 lens, so I would recommend a zoom that goes from 8 to 12. And at that distance, I would probably upgrade to the, they just, all the time, they just, oh, call Leslie, she'll know. I just got that stupid little right. thing out and did it. Different so, slide projectors use different, like swap out bulbs for different lengths? Like, would you say to them, like, oh, you're going to... I would, I would say get the get the housing and get the uh, the upgraded 500 watt. But with bulbs, you could go to Sylvania. Sylvania. Yes, and Sylvania. <laughs> <laughs> no, you could buy a Sylvania in Sylvania. Well, maybe you could. Okay. Yes, that's for Danya. Bulb Sylvania. <laughs> in Pennsylvania or Transylvania. <laughs> But in their industrial line, they had something, uh, they had marvelous information about the lamps, and they would have lamp families. And you could say, my lamp takes an FHS or an ELH or an ENG, but it's only a 35-rated, hour-rated lamp. Oh, also in this lamp family, acceptable reflector, acceptable socket, I could get one that lasts 70 hours. Great. 
So it, this was simply, this was a huge industry to customize these for. This might have even been for Chrysler, one of Chrysler's new um, uh, training rooms or something. I can't remember exactly where they came from. So watch for an ectographic, especially an ectographic 3 model. Really excellent. Slide trays, not bad at all. If they don't come with a slide tray, not hard to get. I got a closet full of them. Uh, Mike has some here. Mike's you got can, tons of them here. You yeah. can also. Yeah. You can. All, we're going to talk about the difference. There's actually four different trays too. But on lenses, you would never. This monster that's in my hand right now, half the width of my forearm, or over twice the width, or, or half the width of my forearm is good enough. It's a big lens. I would typically use a very small lens, maybe a 76 millimeter or a two inch. Come inches or millimeters. I really liked Tamron projection lenses. Oh, yeah. Really Very nice lenses. So there were other brands at that time. Huge industry. But with a short lens, like a two-inch, I can be a few feet away from the screen and fill it. It's like a wide angle. If I use the typical zoom lens, which I believe was a four to six that would come with a Kodak projector, I'd be way across the room or really have to crank the zoom on these things but with the two inch really close really big picture closer you are brighter the picture so carousel models in the thousands four thousand model five thousand model ectographic models ectographic three series excellent to watch out for if they rattle and drop around pieces of green glass that means the heat-absorbing glass has broken. It can still be used, but don't project a lot. slide over seconds. Those heat-absorbing glasses are hard to get. used to be just pop them out, put them in. If you can try it out, plug it in. Even if you don't have the remote, there's always a button on the projector, at least for forward and reverse. Hit it. Without a tray on there, if that little black plastic arm comes up, comes up, advances forward, and comes back, you're good to go. If that doesn't move, don't get it. Link arm assembly, hard to repair today. If you have, I, I, I really have no idea where these are going to go, but right now it's almost, almost still a giveaway item. People even, they still bring me in slide projectors. I'll take them if they're Kodaks. I don't so much if they're others. You um, blow the lamp out, the newer the projector, the cheaper the bulb. Here's another thing. Turn the projector over. If it has a bulb in it that looks like it might have belonged in a fish aquarium, don't get it. That's the oldest style bulb, the most expensive. If it looks like it's been squished down, it's it's round, rounded corners, but still completely, as they call it, has a complete glass envelope. Not bad. If it looks like a mushroom, half glass, and you see what looks like a little AG1 peanut bulb in the middle, that's the one to look for. Lots of options, lots of, oh, I don't have the FHS, but I can give you the ENG. If someone comes into me, I, I still know the lamp family. They're still pretty easy to get, very easy, very easy to get on the bay. And they all use alphabetic nomenclatures. Their numbers are all alphabetic. You might see one, though, that slashes D-A-Y slash D-A-K. I personally know I don't want to buy that one. I know that's an expensive one. It's one of those long ones. When you have to get a lamp, it's the easiest way. is to look printed right on the lamp, and it will tell you that ANSI code to get it. If you have to change that lamp and you don't have a lamp housing like on the ectographic, and you probably won't on a first purchase, you never want to touch that glass with your fingers, your bare hands. Because as soon as you turn that on and the, hit, the heat hits that 
glass envelope and the oil that's on your fingers, it will pop. Yes. It will burn. If you touch it, wipe it off with some alcohol first. You're good. Don't I mean, touch it. But it's best not to right. touch it. Even use a Kleenex. A cloth, yeah. A cloth, anything. Don't change it when it's hot. No, no, no. <laughs> you need to leave that cool down. When you're done projecting, leave the lamp or leave the fan on. You don't want to move your projector with a hot bulb. Nope. Shorten the life or kill it right away. Yep. So some of those old rules that, you know, that we know about, that's just like, it's a given. The same rules apply to, well, hot lights, Lowell, Absolute, totas, sure. all, any Those hot are lights. A quartz type, usually yeah. hot light. Yep. So I talked about the glass. Uh, there's trays with Kodak. There's four different slide trays. Oh, boy. And actually, there's one little projector I didn't talk about, but you know they made a projector specifically for 110 slides. Oh. And it's this little mini carousel with his little mini trays, and it's just... Stinking adorable. It's so cute. <laughs> but you can't put 35 millimeter in it, so it's cute. But don't get it because you think it's a deal. Four slide trays available. The classic carousel slide tray, TransView 80. That is the consumer beginning slide tray. TransView 80. Holds 80 slides. Locking ring on top. Never turn that thing over without that ring locked huh. because that's like flipping <laughs> a deck of 52 cards. Yep. Those slides are everywhere. Oh, my. So that, that also, though, is probably one of the safest trays to use. So you've got your new slides. It'll take a slide mount that's mounted in cardboard, in plastic, or even an old glass mount because it holds 80. The slots are big, and you can put dog-eared slides in there. They get a little bent. They get jammed in there. You can put them in there. Then we've got the Consumer 140. That's for the cheap ass. That, that's for the cheap gentleman. Okay. <laughs> He's just got his cardboard slides back because they're very thin or very thin plastic, and it holds 140 slides. The slots are very thin. They will probably jam up. And if you've ever noticed on any of those slide trays, when you look down at the middle of them, there's a round dial in the middle with a slot in it. And that's where the quarter fits in, and that's when you turn it, and that's how you get the tray off of the slide projector because they're locked on once they start. And then you have to reset the tray, pull your slide out, and start over. But that 140 is going to jam up quicker for you than anything. They made an Ectographic 80. That was supposedly the professional version. And it had... um, Bigger slots even than the 80 did, just by a hair. But it also had a styrofoam insert. So your same, same box on the outside, practically same tray on the inside, but it had this styrofoam box in it with a slot on the side. Anybody know? Cassette tape. Oh. To run, you could store your program together. Cassette tape, slide, slap it in there, put it up on the shelf. That's the presentation. It's all there. I can imagine the, you know, the dad. Oh, you know, like going through all the trouble of recording <laughs> the voiceover, you know, not knowing how. And then throwing some music background in. Background music. And then, yeah. you know, yes. no one wanted to break his heart by telling him, please, no. Not again. Yes. You know, not many again. families, oh, children never, especially, dreaded. An event. Yeah. Or you visited the neighbors oh, and they got the God. slide projector out with their vacation slides. Was there ever a point, that's such a cliche, but was there ever a point where people looked forward to going to the neighbor's house and watching Boy, I don't know. Only That's if they, always only if they served alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I think that if if someone was crafty enough and they presented a a slide presentation in a very 
rapid, you know, uh, you know, entertaining right. way. Edited right. their slides, but number one. Yeah. Edited them to edit the crap way. out, like but. They, it's like having all your pictures that you took on Flickr, and you want to show someone, you, and you bring up all the look pictures you took on Flickr from a roll. Look and at then, this. Yeah, look, look this. at that. Look at look that at this. on your phone. Look at this. Yeah. And then one rare but really cool slide tray was the Ecta Pro tray. And then there again, it'll fit on everything, but the top locking ring was not just a locking ring. It was a clear lid. Oh, okay. So... A lot of these projectors, especially in vacation places, like you'd go in and watch a presentation afterwards, and all it was was slide changing. Those things set up in oh, a yeah. projection booth forever. That clear lid, mm. still let anybody see what was going on, kept the dust out of it. So 80 wide, wide uh, slots. One other cool device that people never picked up on is called a stack loader. We would love a stack loader today. Do you know a stack loader? No, tell us. Tiny little thing that fit in where your slide tray fit. You would pull back the little tray. You would take your slides out of the box, stack them in there, and it will feed the slide through one at a time, feed it through, project it, bring it up on the other side. You didn't have to take the time to put them in the tray. So you just just open and a stack of them goes in. And away you go. And you can actually even get slide clips. You could store, I think, 20 groups. And the clip snapped onto it. Put it down. Unsnap it. It's in the slot. Shoot it. Snap it. Put it back. Never goes in the tray. Bill and Howell had that. There was a slide cube system. Slide cube, Little little different. And they just stayed in the cubes. They stayed in the cube. Yep. Um, There's also one last big behemoth called an audio viewer. Mm. Other brands made them. There was, I think, Telex made Caramate, the audio viewer. There was one more in there. I, I had a Caramate. You they had were, a Caramate. They very handy. They are a large, maybe, I don't know, 20 by 20 inches square. They have a built-in screen. They also have a place in the back to flip up and project on a wall. Not a Zoom, anything like that. They had a cassette player in the side mm-hmm. and a microphone. Oh. Because you could go through the first time around, and you can hit your pulses while you're talking. You can pulse the tape and talk later. There were two different hertz. One pulse stopped. Wow. One pulse stopped it for so many seconds, and then it would move on. So you could just set up a tape to automatically play. You get an endless loop, audio cassette. You shoot all the houses you've got for sale in Finley, Ohio. You put this audio viewer in your front window at night in downtown Finley. You've made a tape with nothing on it that the people can hear. It's got a pulse on it to change every three seconds. Wow. And people stop by your store, and they see what you're selling. (laughs) Or you take your audio viewer in, and you go into Chrysler, and you say, this is the new vinyl I'd like for you to use on your seats in the Fury 3 or what? uh, It's Plymouth. Sorry about that. And those audio viewers, even though they were that big, they used those a lot for commercial use and selling. And I have, I think, maybe two or three models around right now. So before I retired the business, people would say, I got 400 bags of slides, and I'd like to have them digitized, but I don't want them all digitized. What do I do? I said, not a problem. You come in here, and I will let you borrow free of charge the audio viewer. You can take this home, put them in the trays, sit on the kitchen table, 
this one stays, this one goes, this one stays, this one goes, and then bring it all back into me. So it, it uh, today can be used quite a bit like that. So it, that is not at all a bad projector if you see one to buy it for your own viewing because you can view it. Seeing it on that small screen is nothing like it is projected, but it does make a good editing source, a quick source. Recommend number one, Kodak. Check it out a little bit. Make sure that link arm's working. Uh, make sure the bulb is more of a mushroom shaped. And look for a Kodak Carousel and a 1000 series or an Ektographic 3 in the Professional series. Because when you see your slides projected for the first time, it's the coolest darn thing you've ever seen. Michael. Uh, the, the thing you recommended where people bring it home and watch it Mm-hmm. Was that like a slide tray that sits on top of a box, which is like a TV, and the bulb projects to like... A screen. Sc- some kind of screen. And it's Kodak made, so it takes the Kodak slide trays. What's that called? Audio viewer. Audio, because they made the tapes, viewer, because right. it's all built in. So you're basically watching a TV, sort of. Yes. It's projected. Mm-hmm. And it, it has a little hand remote, too, so that you can just sit there and right. watch them. You don't have to make a tape. Yeah. People rarely did. Many of these were autofocus. Focus the first slide, it will focus the rest. Mm-hmm. As long as they're in the same type of mount. So it's not even that focus, focus, right. focus, focus. Dad, can we go? No. You know, made it a little quicker. Features went up. They had outlets on them, the, the ectographics. A lot of them did. Why is there a, an electrical outlet on this projector? So that you could plug in a room lamp. Yes. And as soon as one came up, the other went down. Uh, right. Let's not forget, of course, the trays you would buy that had a plug in them. Remember the folding? Like a folding yes. utility oh, yes. tray? Yes, exactly. Pro- yeah. Use it for a projector. Projection, yeah. projection, tra- uh, projection Cart. carts, essentially, yeah. or, or stands. stands. Um, name almost hit me who manufactured those. The legs collapsed. You folded them all yep. up yep. in the bottom and put them in the closet with the... With the projector itself, we used to whole use different era. We used to use the um, caramates for for practicing our presentations because you would just be looking at it and then going through the slides for review mm-hmm. before you did that. So we would have, you know, a meeting somewhere and it would have places for the people to go set up their slideshows before they brought them to the auditorium, and that was good. But we also had when I was a freshman at Syracuse. They had carol, study carols, and we would have the syllabus to go through, and they would have the audio tape mm-hmm. and the slides and the caramate right there in the carol, so it was yes. right, right in front of you. And that was another way of, you know, they were used in, in were colleges used and schools all over the place. Education. Yeah. So they, it's, When you think about how big this industry was yeah. to go down to nothing, it's no wonder they quit making ectochrome film. <laughs> yeah. When did uh, this whole industry collapse? Digital. <gasps> Digital. Digital. Yeah. And, digital, and they digital. still call PowerPoint, they call them slides, even though they're they not. They still oh, do. Yes, yeah, they do. Yeah, PowerPoint. And so people go and say, oh, do you get PowerPoint slides? Before they actually had uh, the big LCD screens, you would do your PowerPoint slides as that. They would mm. go to a, a, a slide printer and would print them out in two-by-two two slides. In, you could, yes. Yeah. In Polaroid 90, made one. Yeah, they did. In 94... When my little office was inside West End, which was a you know commercial company, uh, they would hire me, and I would organize um, PowerPoint slides. And then, when it was all approved by the client, I would email, dial up email, or put it on a, um, a zip drive, zip drive, 
And they, at that point, they were still making slides yes. from PowerPoint. Yes. Yeah. Companies that would make slides. Mm-hmm. I did that in the 90s. I mean, that was... They how are I, still a few companies today that do that. Mm-hmm. I deal with a gentleman who I wish I could remember the name. It's expensive. It is expensive to have done. Right. Um, he always advertises, I know I got the right guy, U.S. veteran. Okay, I'll go with Why you. Why is he getting them done today? Uh, why are they doing... I still have one older lady who teaches art classes at Bluffton University, and she still prefers to teach with slides because most of her teaching library is on slides, and occasionally she adds a little bit of a new subject, so she brings me in the books. <gasps> oh, nice. I scan the images, then she has new things to talk about. Interesting. But at this point, she knows I've got to keep it 24-36. It used to be the case where somebody would bring in 10, I'd say, give me a week, because I knew more were coming in. Right. Very there good. you go. You can shoot the slides. You can project them. Experience it. And where did the Polaroid uh, instant 35-millimeter films come into, like, corp- Panic. That's where they came into. Oh, last-minute corporations yeah. were like... Because somebody checks something, students. and there's a typo or a mist or a something, and they're going, oh, my God, we go on tomorrow. Not everybody had Kodak in town to process slides or whatever, and they will say... I need this slide, and I need it now because there's a typo, and this is very critical. You're going to kill somebody if you give them these numbers that on my medical presentation. You could print it out on your crappy little printer. You can even handwrite it and shoot it on that Polaroid instant slide film, and between one and five minutes, you can have that ready to go into a slide projector. Yeah, they had it two kinds. They had the, well, three. They had black and white. They had four. Okay, and they had the diazo-looking ones, which the blue, are the blue and, blue and white. white. Yep, and then they had color. They had color. And they had high-contrast color, high-contrast oh, right. black and white, yeah. continuous black and white, and then uh, polo blue. Polo blue, right. Mm-hmm. So uh, graduate students would do that because it's always the night before they want to give a talk. Right. we got to go. Oh, we got to go. Say, can, we just, can we just cut a goodbye, and then I'll leave, and you guys can keep talking? No, we're done. We should, we're done. Let's we're, wrap it we're up. We're done. Okay. Everybody's got to run out and get a slide projector. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Well, I do actually. I forgot a minute to ask you. You're, yes. you're reminding me. Do you have a slide projector? I could, not right now, but in a yes. month or so, borrow? Yes. As a matter of okay. fact, now that we know what, you know, this way I'm going to tell I you could, the exact model that I want. I was going to say, I could pull out the exact model I want first, and whatever's left, you could pick. Well, I just need to borrow it for like <laughs> two days. Ectographic okay. 3A model AB. Go for the top Specifically, dog. that's the one. Okay. Do we have one here? No. I don't. I doubt I'm it. I'm sure you don't. But. F's are good models. These are good models. Podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. Please do write us what's going on with you. Are you shooting ectochrome? Have you gone out and bought a vintage slide projector? Are you projecting for fun? Do you have any stories from when you were a child? Were you bored to tears as your you know, parent or uh, you know, aunt, uncle, or, or legal guardian forced like you to that. watch slide neighbor? Uh, send us a story. And, uh, you know, we'll, hey, we'll be back very soon. We're doing a lot of shows this season. And uh, before Mark runs out of the building, I'm going to be shooting a picture of him with the Nishika Focus Free 3D camera N9000 35mm Quadra Lens System. Yes. Yes is right. And I'm going to be shooting him. He's going to be holding the uh, treats that William Lowy sent him. No, you got to do action shot. I got to, like... You're going to throw up in the air. Because then it'll be like, shh, it'll be like cool. And that has, that's flash. It'll be awesome. I'll try. All right, we'll be back uh, soon. Not this show, next show.
Okay. Bye. 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 Joe Harriman, Lynn Taylor. No Eastmans today, unfortunately. They're all back in the lab. It's a wonderful facility, but they don't take vacations. What do they show? Slides of them working? <laughs> so, have you figured out a way to work the wheel into it? We know it's hard because wheels aren't really seen as exciting technology, even though they are the original. Well, technology is a glittering lure. But uh, there's the rare occasion when the public can be engaged on a level beyond flash if they have a sentimental bond with the product. My first job, I was in-house at a fur company with this old pro copywriter, Greek, named Teddy. And Teddy told me the most important idea in advertising is new. It creates an itch. You simply put your product in there as a kind of calamine lotion. But he also talked about a deeper bond with the product. Nostalgia. It's delicate, but potent. Sweetheart. Teddy told me that in Greek, nostalgia literally means the pain from an old wound. It's a twinge in your heart, far more powerful than memory alone. This device isn't a spaceship. It's a time machine. backwards and forwards it takes us to a place where we ache to go again it's not called the wheel it's called the carousel travel the way a child travels, round and around, and back home again. To a place where we know we are loved. Good luck at your next meeting. I've heard these tales before When they used to mean so much